this is Phil D'Angelo. Welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Today, we have a special guest host joining us, U.S. Portfolio Manager from PIMCO, David Braun. David, how are you? I'm great, Phil. Thank you for having me. It's, it's our pleasure. Michael, what do you think about this format today? It's going to be pretty, pretty exciting, right? Yeah, we're trying to mix it up and do something a little bit different since it's Phil and I answering questions every week. We're just trying to give a different perspective out there. So we hope everybody enjoys this. So go ahead, Mike. I know that with that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go first and ask David the question. What, does, uh, what expectations does PIMCO have for core bonds in 2022? And uh, could you briefly give people an overview of what you view, like what role core bonds play in a portfolio? Yeah, thank you, Michael. So look, we believe uh, US GDP growth is probably peaked in 2021. But that said, 2022 is going to be a strong above trend growth year. Um, and at the same time, you have to be humble and recognize there's a lot of uncertainty out there, right? We're not out of the woods on the coronavirus uh, yet. We've got a big removal of monetary and fiscal stimulus coming our way. Those things create uncertainty. And at the same time, a lot of market valuations are exhibiting late cycle type pricing, most notably credit spreads and, and perhaps equity valuations. And on the interest rate side, uh, everyone is uh, nervous right now about the Fed being in a tightening path, as they've signaled. Uh, both reduction of balance sheet and rate hikes likely coming our way in 2022. We, for the most part, believe most of that is priced into the existing yield curve. And therefore, in our mind, rates are going to be relatively range bound around the levels we're at today. So this fear of a big rise in longer term interest rates uh, is largely unfounded in our opinion. Now, when we think about the role of core bonds, first thing I have to say is uh, we firmly believe in active management, especially given that uncertain and likely volatile background I just mentioned, right? That's when active management can really kind of do its job and deliver alpha when there's a lot of volatility, a lot of dispersion in the markets, um, especially when the backdrop is not a lot of room for error in credit valuations, given how rich things are. And then, um, so more generic, you know, more broadly, we believe that rather than just own generic credits in the generic index, an active manager should build a diversified credit portfolio, right? We're overweight credit because we believe the economy is going to grow above trend, but the generic credit is not very attractive. So we're able to build a, a diversified basket of more attractive credits and then actively manage our risk exposure going forward. And then on the holistic question of what role do core bonds have? Look, we get it. The yields aren't what they were earlier in our careers. Uh, but that said, they're still offering decent yield and they definitely offer diversification and, and hedging power, if you will versus your client's riskier assets. And therefore, we believe core bonds have an important home in a portfolio, especially with that uncertain and volatile backdrop. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. I mean, we always talk to our clients that, hey, you know, even if rates rise, which they are, and you know, you have you can lose some money in bonds, there's a purpose why we have exposure to two bonds and a belt and suspender strategy uh, makes a lot of sense. Hey, so this is um, you know the question on all of our clients' minds right now. Uh, we just came through our firm economic and market update uh, for for 2021, and the I word inflation kept kept appearing. So, what's your take on inflation going forward? We know it's been unbelievable readings. You know, 6.8 on the CPI, uh, really uh, above trend, and a lot of articles this weekend in, in Barrons and Wall Street Journal, etc., talking about inflation. What's your take on that? Yeah, so look, we all see it every day how the friction in the goods and the labor markets has caused elevated inflation for uh, quite a long while, and it's going to continue for several more months. Uh, that said, in the you know next year or so, 
our outlook is this. We believe U.S. inflation will peak some point late first quarter, perhaps early second quarter uh, in the United States. And then from that point after, start to pull down towards the Fed's um, longer term targets of inflation. Uh, there's just like the broader economy, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and risk around that base case. Um, how fast will the, the central banks, not just the Fed, but other central banks go in pushing back against inflation? What is the path of the virus, which could be disinflationary if it, if it reemerges, uh, et cetera? Um, it's also, uh, it'd be foolish to acknowledge that everything that's just happened has not increased the wings of inflation. It has. So the longer term wings of inflation are, are probably more pronounced than they were over the prior decade or so. Things that would argue for higher longer term inflation would be the dynamic of how much uh, monetary and fiscal stimulus we pumped into the economy. And that could leave a footprint for years causing higher inflation. Uh, similarly, this deglobalization trend, which was underway before coronavirus and has now been put on steroids since coronavirus, is likely to continue. And that could be inflationary. Now, the arguments the other direction on what, why we could get back to longer term uh, Fed type levels of inflation that we saw in the, the prior decade before coronavirus are things like the high public and private debt levels we have in the US that argues for greater deleveraging needs uh, ahead of us, that's disinflationary. Equally as important, if not more important, is these technology advancements we've seen underway before coronavirus and again, uh, increased during coronavirus are definitely gonna increase our productivity. You're starting to see productivity gains and that itself is disinflationary. And then combine that with the demographic picture in the US where we're an older society, we're relatively undersaved for retirement, so we have a high savings rate. Those three things argue for longer term, balancing out the higher in, in inflationary impulse from the other things I mentioned. And net-net, we believe, while the wings are wider and there's uncertainty and volatility, that this, this higher inflation will eventually be behind us in the coming year or two. Well, thanks for that. It's really amazing in this business how quickly, right, things can change. I mean, you know, you go back to the early 80s with high bouts of inflation, then, you know, you go to, to, to the past decade or 11 years even where we've been in a deflationary environment, some can make the case and how quickly things change. So we really appreciate your perspective on everything today. Uh, clients, if you have any questions for next week, please feel free to email us. And David, thanks for your time in this new format. We really appreciate it. Thanks all your team at PIMCO as well. Oh, thank you, Phil and Michael and the whole Focus Wealth team. And thank you very much and happy new year, everyone. Great. You too. Thank you.